The Breakfast Show, bits you may have missed. All right, so we are in the book of Acts and working our way through this amazing story. Paul is uh, on trial with, uh, well, a, a kind of a trial with Festus and Agrippa. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like a um, a demonstration trial, so to speak. They've, yeah. they've uh, asked this very famous preacher to come in and preach for them. I want to hear what he has to say. Okay, so Paul has been standing there. Paul has shared his testimony. There are some added details to his testimony that we find that we don't find in the other accounts where he shares his testimony, Mm. uh, particularly in his appeal that he makes to Festus as being a a, a Gentile person um, to reach out to him. And then, of course, we go on and uh, let's, um, Acts 26, let's pick up the story. Acts 26 and why don't you read for us verse 24 there, please, Lawson. Suddenly, Festus shouted, Paul, you are insane. Too much study has made you crazy. Okay, so let's think about this from Festus's perspective for a moment. Uh-huh. He has made this statement based on the fact that Paul has spoken of the resurrection. Mm-hmm. So Paul has come along and said there is life after death and that life after death comes about as a result of the resurrection. Mm-hmm. Now, what nationality was Festus? Where was Festus from? Festus was a Roman. Festus, and what gods did the Romans serve? Uh, the Roman gods? The no, pagan gods? Oh, they the, served the Greek, the Greek gods. The Greek right. gods. Because yes. the Romans were very unimaginative. They didn't have their own gods. Well, they had Janus, but yeah. from which we get Janitor. Um, did you know that? It's kind of cool, isn't it? Um, but he wasn't a huge god. But mostly they just served Greek gods. Mm-hmm. Okay, did the Greek gods believe in life after death? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Sure. So what is so hard, why is it so hard for Festus to accept the concept of the resurrection? Okay, here's where the problem comes in. The Greeks did not believe in the resurrection. They believed in the immortality of the soul. Mm-hmm. Now, the immortality of the soul and the resurrection are two doctrines that are mutually exclusive from each other. Mm -hmm. You can't have both. And so by believing in the immortality of the soul, then, of course, when Paul comes along and says, oh, there's a resurrection, he's like, well, that's impossible. Yeah. Because if when you die, you don't actually die, you keep living in another form, well, then how do you come back to life if you are still alive? Yeah. Yes. You know, the, the whole concept of the immortality of the soul rules out the resurrection. I've been to mm. so many funerals where people, it's just so confusing because one minute they're saying the person's in heaven, the next minute they're saying they're going to be resurrected. Well, it's like, well, you can't be resurrected if you're already in heaven. Are you on earth waiting for the resurrection or are you in heaven already alive? Which one is it? Make up your mind here. Yeah. I mean, this is just, this is so confusing. Mm. And everybody sits there and goes, oh, yeah, 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 that's how it is. It's like, I'm thinking, what is the point of having a resurrection if you haven't died. Mm. And isn't isn't it like a terrible thing as well? Like, think about the story where, where Jesus resurrects Lazarus. Mm-hmm. And, la- you know, if you, if you think about it from that perspective, you know, Jesus constantly says, oh, be, know, he's, be, asleep. Be, he's asleep, that's right. he's yeah. asleep, uh-huh. he's asleep, he's dead, he's asleep, that's in right. the grave, he's in the ground. And he'll be resurrected at the, re- he will be raised again at the resurrection of the last day. Yeah. That's the statement that is made in that story, in the clearest possible language. That is the comfort that is given to Martha. 
Yeah, but it's incredible because people people like seem to think, oh, you know, like how terrible would it be if you're Lazarus, right? Mm-hmm. And because you're incredibly sick too, you were like suffering super hard, and then you die and you go to heaven and you're like, you know, immortality of the soul. You're up there in heaven chilling out with God because um, you've been a faithful man and everything's good. And then Jesus just pulls you out of there and brings you back down to earth, and it's just yeah, yeah. like, and this is where Jesus <laughs> is about to be crucified. This is where like the worst things that this world has ever ever seen are about to take place and happen yeah and he just pulls you down and he's like oh yeah sorry dude i just had to like show my power to these guys like it's so i i feel like it's just so ridiculous to think that to to why didn't jesus come to martha before he resurrected lazarus and say hey your brother's in a better place right now he's in heaven he's you know he's he's another angel up there god wanted to have another angel so he took your brother you know no it's constantly it's he's asleep he's asleep and he will be raised in the resurrection mm. of the last day mm. you know Here's a, here's a thought. If Lazarus had gone to heaven, right? Uh-huh. And obviously the first thing you're going to do when you get to heaven is meet God. Yeah. That's that's the whole purpose. Uh-huh. Let's say that Lazarus had been in heaven. Uh-huh. Jesus is about to be crucified. Uh-huh. Do you think that God would have just sort of like, oh, yeah, I'm not going to tell him about that? The whole of heaven knows what's about to happen. Mm-hmm. All of the angels, everyone that's in heaven knows that Jesus is about to be crucified. They know why, and they know that he's about to be resurrected three days later. Why doesn't Lazarus turn back up again? Why do you have Lazarus chilling out at the bottom of the cross like this? Like, hey, guys, ch- calm down, chill out, you know, it's all good. He'll be back here again in three days' time. Why isn't Lazarus gathered with the disciples in the upper room? And why isn't he telling the story? Okay, when I was in heaven, the angel said, you know, this is what was going to happen and he was going to be crucified. And he'll be back again today. We just got to wait for a little bit. You know, just wait. He's going to just appear in the rooms here sooner or later. Mm. You know, where was Lazarus? He didn't have any of these stories to tell because he hadn't been in heaven. He'd been in the grave, the Bible says. He was dead. The Bible is so clear on this. You cannot have both the immortality of the soul and the resurrection. You have to choose one or the other. And, of course, for Festus, he believed in the immortality of the soul. And because he believed in the immortality of the soul, the concept of the resurrection was impossible. Mm -hmm. And, therefore, to him, it was insanity. Mm -hmm. Not so to Agrippa. Yeah, because he is uh, he belongs to the Jewish religion. He has the Bible. He understands what the Bible says. He understands the concept of the resurrection. He's read in the Bible about resurrections that have taken place in the past. Mm-hmm. So this is not something that is so challenging for Agrippa as it is for Festus, who serves Greek gods. Okay, so let's continue. Actually, while we're there, I'm just going to show you this passage. It's over in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 23. So this is 1 Corinthians. Let me flick over there real quick. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 23. Intense, intense page flicking. Yep. It's getting over and there. And here Paul says this, but we preach Christ crucified <clears throat> unto mm-hmm. the Jews a stumbling block, but to the Greeks foolishness. Yeah, Why was it foolishness to the Greeks to preach Christ crucified? Well, it's not hard to preach that somebody's crucified. That's not so unbelievable. That happens all the time. That's a regular occurrence. We get that. The thing that made it foolishness was the resurrection. Mm-hmm. Why would the resurrection be hard for them, for, for a Greek person to comprehend? What you know, The, the Greeks believed in the supernatural. Mm-hmm. The Greeks believed in life after death. There was nothing challenging here for the Greeks except that they believed in the immortality of the soul. Mm. The only way 
that this verse makes any sense whatsoever at all is if you realize that the Greeks believed in the immortality of the soul. And you wonder, you know, where did the doctrine of the immortality of the soul come into Christianity? Mm. Well, it came into Christianity long after the time of Jesus and the apostles, and it came in from Greek religion. Yeah, Greek religion invaded Christianity. Uh, Christianity absorbed it. Um, in fact, the pagan priests made it a special, um, intentional effort to take their religion and to implant it within Christianity because they recognized that their religion was about to vanish off the face of the earth and that if they did not do something to preserve their religion in other words, change its form, then their religion would be gone. And, of course, the pagan religions of the past still exist within Christianity right down to this day. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. Okay, so let's flick back over to Acts chapter 26. And, Lawson, if you can pick up the story for us in uh, verse 25, please. Yeah. But Paul replied, I am not insane, most excellent Festus. What I am saying to you is the sober truth. And King Agrippa knows about these things. I speak boldly, for I am sure these events are familiar to him, for they were not done in a corner. King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? Okay, stop right there for a moment. Stop right there. All right. Before he makes his appeal to Agrippa, notice what what it is that is actually... uh, um, taking place at this particular point, you've got um, Festus, who is who he's the new kid on the block. Mm-hmm. You've got Agrippa, who has been there for generations. His family has been ruling for generations. What Paul is saying to Festus sounds fantastic. It sounds unbelievable. You know that Jesus was died and that he rose again. For Agrippa, he knows that Jesus died. Mm-hmm. He knows that there is an empty tomb. Yeah. He knows that there is no reasonable, logical explanation for that empty tomb. He knows that tomb was guarded by a hundred soldiers. He knows that the Jewish leaders claim that the tomb is empty. He knows that the Christians claim that the, Jew, that the tomb is empty. Everybody is united on the fact that the tomb is empty. And that the only actual reasonable explanation for that is the resurrection of Jesus. Mm-hmm. He, he knows the history of this. And so Paul turns to him and he's like, okay, you know the history of this. Um... What are you going to do about it? Okay, so keep reading. Agrippa interrupted him. Do you think you can persuade me to become a Christian so quickly? Yes. In in fact, in uh, my translation, it says it a little bit differently. Acts chapter 26. and Verse 28. Verse 28. Then Agrippa said to Paul, Almost you persuade me to become a Christian. He was nearly there. Mm. He was so close. Yeah. And he lost it. You know, Paul says, Paul says to him, do you believe in the prophets? Yeah. Now, as a Jew, what's he going to do? He has to say yes. He has to say yes. The moment he says yes, Paul then can go through every single prophecy of the Messiah that there is. And mm. Agrippa knows this. You know, mm. He's been around long enough that he knows that Jesus fulfilled over 300 prophecies of the Old Testament mm. uh, about the Messiah. And he knows yeah. that Paul can just stand there and he can start going through all 300 of these prophecies. Mm. And what's he going to do? He now has two options. He can say, no, I don't believe in the prophets. Therefore, I don't believe in Jesus Christ. He can say, yes, I do believe in the prophets. And if on the basis of that, and then Paul goes through all of those prophecies, he says, I don't believe in Jesus Christ, then he's going to look like an absolute 
moron. Yeah. An absolute idiot. So he's caught between a rock and a hard place here. From a political perspective, he's caught between a rock and a hard place. Mm. He can't say, no, I don't believe in the prophets, because then the Jews are all going to be upset with him. Mm-hmm. If he says, yes, I do believe in the prophets, well, why don't you believe in Jesus Christ? Every single name for me. You know, name for me a messianic prophecy that does not point to Jesus, that was not fulfilled in the life of Jesus. Paul can Paul yeah. can stand there and say this. Paul can say, you know, go to your theologians, find one anywhere in the scriptures yeah. that does not point to Jesus Christ. And they will not be able to find one. And because they will not be able to find one, then you know, it, it, the evidence is so overwhelming that Jesus is the Messiah that he'll be he'll be made a fool. So yeah. he, either he's going to be a traitor to his nation or a fool to everyone who's looking on. Paul has asked a very, very smart question here. Notice what Paul didn't say. Mm. Paul didn't say, uh, Agrippa, why don't you give your life to Jesus Christ? Paul says, do you believe in the prophets? Mm. This is a master lawyer yeah. making a powerful appeal. Um, and, and there's definitely something to learn from from this and the only thing that Agrippa can come up with is almost, mm. almost you have persuaded me to be uh, a Christian. Yeah. He came so close and he missed out. But yeah, let's continue on in verse 29. Uh, the Bible says, Paul replied, whether quickly or not, I pray to God that both you and everyone here in this audience might become the same as I am except for these chains. Then the king, uh, the governor, Beniki, and all the others stood and left as they went out and they talked it over and agreed, this man hasn't done anything to deserve death or imprisonment. And Agrippa Agrippa said to Festus, he could have been set free if he hadn't appealed to Caesar. Okay, so they've got to write up this report to Caesar. You know, this report has to accompany Paul. They have to be able to... um um, you know, they have to be able to justify why it is that they are sending him to Caesar. And uh, um, and, and so, um, you know, they've, they've got to put this whole thing together. Festus doesn't really have a good reason to send him. He's hoping that Gripper can give him, you know, some, some better reasons. But Agrippa turns around and is like, well, you know, uh, there, there's, there's, there's really no reason here. We could set this guy free except that he's appealed to Caesar. Yeah. You know, there's, there's nothing here that he should, you know, he's been locked up for the last two years um, on false charges. This should have all been thrown out of court a mm-hmm. long time ago. And, uh, yeah, he, uh, he, he really should be set free at this particular time. Yeah. Which shows that, um, you know, this was a, a tremendously uh, corrupt system. It mm-hmm. was incredibly um, unjust that Paul was facing right here. But Paul really, really didn't have anything to fear because Paul had been told by God that he was going to witness for him in Rome. Mm-hmm. He knew he was going to Rome. Yeah. He knew he wasn't going to be killed before that event. Um, he had he had total uh, confidence in it. And it's, it's, it's interesting also that at this particular point, Paul could have made an appeal to be set free. Yeah. He, you know, he, he has stated his case before Festus, before Agrippa, and before Felix, and he could have said, "Okay, guys, this is how it is. I've answered my case three times now. Mm. Tertullus has been here. Felix has heard my case. Festus has heard my case. Agrippa has heard my case. Nobody has been able to find me guilty of anything." Mm-hmm. 
um, now is the time to set me free. We, we don't have to take this to Caesar. If you send it to Caesar, it's just going to make you look foolish because what are you going to write in your report? Yeah. You know, you're just going to look like fools, like wasting Caesar's time. Why did this guy send me to Caesar? Mm. Paul is in the prime position to do so, but he does not do so. Why do you think he doesn't? Because he appreciates a free ride. That's, that's one way of putting it. Yeah. <laughs> he has a free ride to Rome yeah. because he is going to see Caesar mm-hmm. and he's going to be able to witness in the court of Caesar um, for Jesus Christ. And we find that when Paul does go to Rome and he does witness there in the court that there are members of Caesar's court who do give their lives to Jesus Christ and do become Christians. And Christianity has a has a major and a very powerful effect, you know, right in the headquarters of the Roman Empire. And the Roman Empire was considered to be, you know, it was considered to be Babylon. It was considered to mm. be Satan's empire at this particular time. It was um, a place that uh, you, know, you know, basically this was this was Satan's representative government on earth. Yeah, and God is like, you know what? Right there at the seat of your government, Satan, I'm going to send Rome. I'm going to send Paul to Rome. He's going to be in chains, but that's not going to hold him back. He's going to be sharing the gospel right there. And there would have been just, you know, we see the ripple effect from that. You know, by the time um, Constantine comes around in the third century, we've got one in ten people in the empire who are Christian. You know, it's the first multicultural, um, you know, border crossing religion of its time. And there would have been so many people who would have been saved and gave their heart to Jesus um, because of the work that Paul did in the in the courtrooms of uh, of Rome in front of Caesar. So it's it's just incredible the way that the way that God orchestrates these things. You know, to use like. And the effect that that just you know Paul like he's a single he's a single man for sure it, it all stands stems back from you know the one single man Jesus mm-hmm. the greatest man um, but it's just a testimony of the way you know Paul was like us Paul Paul is just you know he's just another guy but the the effect that he could have in the world um, through the power of the Holy yeah, Spirit through the through pa- yeah he was just amazing. a little a little uh, partly blind guy who was just had made himself available for the working of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. It's um it's incredible. I think it's a massive inspiration for for a lot of people out there. I think it's, you know, especially myself, you know, working in ministry and you know, in working a job where we're where we're constantly um going and reaching out to people um to to tell them about Jesus, to to help them, you know, go from a place of, you know, non-belief to belief. Um, and, and sharing the good news with them and, you know, to see that, that Paul was able to, you know, plant the seed that persuaded one in ten people of the world's greatest empire to become Christian. Um, it's like, man, what can what can God do through me? And the question is, uh, the answer is <laughs> obviously a, a lot of things. But we'll continue talking about this after our next song, uh, The Leuven Brothers with Almost Persuaded.
River came so close, he was almost there. Mm. He was almost persuaded to become a Christian. What a powerful good he could have done. He could have been if he had given his life to Jesus Christ. Mm. You know, particularly when you consider his family history and, and how his family had warred against Jesus and failed and failed and failed over and over again. If he had turned around, he could have been another Paul. Mm. He could have been a household name today, somebody whose works were read, you know, on a daily basis around the world by millions of people. We could have been studying one of his books right now amongst, you know, in our 20 million movement as, you know, we joined 20 million other people who are studying the same passage of the book of Acts today. That could have been a gripper. Mm. And and what an amazing story it would have been, you know, like Nebuchadnezzar sharing his personal testimony in, in Daniel chapter 4, but he didn't. He came so close and he turned away. If you are close to giving your life to Jesus Christ right now, don't turn away. Mm. Do it this moment. Get on your knees. Make that surrender to Jesus. Because this was Agrippa's last appeal. You might sit there and think, you know, I've got tomorrow to give my life to Jesus. I've got next year to give your life to Jesus. I've got 20 years from now I'll give my life to Jesus. You have no idea whether you'll be here in five minutes' time or not. Life is uncertain. We don't know the future. Agrippa never had another opportunity to give his life to Jesus. This was the last appeal that was made to him. He came close and he turned aside. Don't make the same mistake that Agrippa made. There's a great, um, there's a great uh, passage here that I'd like to read with you, read read from you. This comes from uh, a Bible commentary. It says, "Did the mind of Agrippa at these words revert to the past history of his family and their fruitless efforts against him, whom Paul was preaching? Did he think of his great grandfather Herod and the massacre of the innocent children of Bethlehem?" of his great uncle Antipas and the murder of John the Baptist, of his own father Agrippa I and the martyrdom of the Apostle James? Did he see in the disasters which speedily befell these kings an evidence of the displeasure of God in consequence of their crimes against his servants? Did the pomp and display of that day remind Agrippa of the time when his own father, a monarch more powerful than he, stood in the same city attired in glittering robes while the people shouted that he was a god? Had he forgotten how even before the admiring shouts had died away, vengeance swift and terrible had befallen the vainglorious king? Something of all this flitted across Agrippa's memory. But his vanity was flattered by the brilliant scene before him, and pride and self-importance banished all nobler thoughts. It would have been incredibly humbling for him to sit there on the throne that day, surrounded by pomp and power, and to get down on his knees and to give his life to Jesus Christ. Mm. That would be challenging. That would be hard. And if you're in a situation like that now where you look at it and you say, you know what, I know this is right. I know what it's, what it's what I need to do. And then Satan throws up in front of you, well, it's going to be hard because of this. It might be embarrassing. It's going to take, you know, humility. You don't want to humble yourself and you'll lose respect or whatever it might be. Don't do it. Mm. Don't, don't, don't let that stop you. Get down on your knees right now, regardless of what is happening. If you're driving in your car right now, just pull over to the side of the road. Give your life to Jesus Christ. If you're with friends who would be, you know, who you, where you feel you, you would be embarrassed by their presence if you, if you stopped and gave your life to Jesus Christ right now, don't be embarrassed. Hmm. This will be the greatest testimony you'll ever have to share. 
And your decision to give your life to Jesus right now might mean that they give their life to Jesus as well. You know, you think about your options at this particular point. You can do nothing. In which case, you will have no effect on your friends whatsoever at all. You'll be the same person they've always known. Yeah. You can do something, you will become a different person. Mm. You'll be changed. You'll become a, 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 a better person as a result of that. And your friends will see that and they will know it. They may respond, they may not, but at least you've given them a chance. You've given them an opportunity. You know, why let, why let pride or fear of lack of respect or fear of, you know, whatever kind of foolish fear it might be, stop you from making the greatest decision of your life to give your life to Jesus right now. Mm. You know, think of, think of Agrippa II here as he's, as he's sitting on his throne and just sitting there under incredibly deep conviction. If you feel the voice of the Holy Spirit speaking to you right now, that's God because I can't. It's impossible for me to change you or to convert you. It's impossible for Lawson to change you or convert you. If you are feeling that deep conviction at this moment, is not coming from me. Is not coming from Lawson. That's God speaking to you. You are hearing the voice of God at this moment. What are you going to do about it? I would encourage you to respond to Jesus Christ at this time. If you're if you're unsure of how to do so, then give us a call here. You know what our number is, 1-800-324-843. Give us a text on 0491 or contact us via any of our social medias because we would love to have the opportunity to help you make this decision mm. if you are feeling a little unsure. Just just give us a call right now. I'll, I'll personally take the phone call. If you, if you call right now, <clears throat> I'm just going to hand this microphone over to Lawson <laughs> and say, Lawson, the rest of the show is yours. I'm going to go and talk to this person. Mm. Because that's how seriously we take this right here. Yeah. Um, either that or I'll just hand the phone to you, Lawson, and you can talk to them and I'll continue <laughs> on with the show. Yeah. But uh, honestly, this is, the, this is the greatest and most important decision that any person can ever make mm. and something that you will never regret. I know that for myself, you know, as a young person, um, 15 years old, uh, world turned upside down by a whole bunch of different events, living, you know, out in the bush in an abandoned apple picker's hut, um, basically homeless. Mm. And, um, you know, it was there, it was at that time that by the light of a kerosene lantern and open fire sitting on the bench seat of an ex-wife Falcon, that was my living room suite. Mm-hmm. I began to read my Bible for the first time and I gave my life to Jesus Christ. And my life has never been the same since. Mm. You know, I, I lived I lived there for five years in that in that um that that apple picker's hut, and uh, it, it was it wasn't the easiest time of my life. But look at where I am now. Look at the amazing things that God has given me. Look at the adventures that God has given me. Look at the family that God has given me. Mm. You know, look at what I get to do every single day because of my decision to follow Jesus Christ. Lawson, you shared your testimony yesterday. Mm. Just an incredibly powerful testimony. Paul has been sharing his testimony with you as our listener um, over the last couple of days. And this is my testimony. Mm. Jesus came into that apple picker's hut. I was who was I? I'm just like this 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 random, lonely, lost kid. No idea who I am, where I'm going, what I'm gonna do with my life, uh, whether my life is going anywhere or not. 
and Jesus came into my life and Jesus turned my life around and Jesus transformed me and Jesus made me into the person I am today. Has my life been easy all the time? No, Jesus doesn't doesn't give us a a uh, a bed of roses to lie on. Mm. Um, there are some thorns amongst those roses, yeah. but I've got to tell you that if you gave me the choice between living that life with Jesus or without Jesus, there's not even a comparison. Yeah. And you'll never know it unless you try it. I think the most amazing and important and consistent thing between, you know, Paul's story, my story, your story, and you can ask anyone who's given their life to Jesus Christ, um, is that, you know, like, post that decision you know there's a reason why like why we did it we wouldn't be here we wouldn't be living this life if if you know through the ups and the downs if there wasn't a benefit in fact the bible says faith is the substance of things hoped for the evidence of things not seen faith you know you can see through our faith okay there's actually something here
Hello, Jackie speaking. Hi, Jackie. I've just cleaned and polished my motorcycle. Who can I ride with? Why not ride with us? Who's us? Adventist Motorcycle Ministry. What is Adventist Motorcycle Ministry? Adventist Motorcycle Ministry is a Christian motorcycle riders group. We are drug and alcohol free. Rides are normally on the first Sunday of each month. Are other riders welcome? Yes, of course. But they need to be aware that AMM is drug and alcohol free. Where can I find out more information? Just ring Jeff on 0458 000 505. Yes, call Jeff on 0458 000 505 for more details. That number again is 0458 000 Is forgiveness, or the lack of forgiveness, eating away at you? A relationship breakdown maybe, long-term hurt, unresolved conflict. You know, it can be dealt with. If you want to break the cycle and start living a more forgiving life, Forgive to Live is a program designed to help us all improve our lives and be more forgiving. Don't let it eat away at you anymore. If you're keen to discover the power of forgiveness, why don't you take that first step and head to forgivetolive.org.au. Listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. Together in my mother's womb 
tried to count them, they would outnumber the grains of the sand, the grains of the sand. When I awake, Lord, when I awake, Lord, I am still with you. I am still with you. That was Sons of Cora with Psalms 139. The question of the day with Lyle and Mon. The question of the day that has come in is this one. Does God speak to people? What do you think, Mon? That's a very good question. That's what I think. Has Mon ever, uh, sorry, has God ever spoken to Mon? He speaks to me every day. Okay. Through the Bible. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. How else? Uh, when we talk in prayer. I mean, I don't okay. audibly hear a voice. Okay. How do, you, how do you hear the voice of God? Explain. I think the most common way is through the Bible because that's what he said is his way of communicating with us. Mm-hmm. So you mm-hmm. read the Bible and um, you study the Bible out, you know, and you, and you memorize it, hold it close to your heart. And, uh, you know, if you, I, I, you know, obviously when we think about when, um, you know, when you, when you read about guidance in the Bible, yeah, you know, and you, so you're thinking about doing something about the day and you remember what the Bible says about something. Mm-hmm. And that's how God communicates to you. What about your conscience? Absolutely. Your so conscience is the voice of God. Yeah, I guess that's what I was <laughs> trying to refer to. Well, the Bible and the conscience work hand in hand, don't they? Yes. Because the Bible reveals to you um, the reasons why what your conscience is telling you is the case. And some people would say their conscience is the Holy Spirit. Very much so. The mm-hmm. conscience is the Holy Spirit. That's mm-hmm. God speaking to you, and the Holy Spirit is God. Yep. Has God ever spoken to you audibly? No. Has God ever spoken to you through signs? No. What about a fleece? I've never had to put a fleece out. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. How about okay, you? So, well, there are a number of ways that God speaks to us, and uh, you know, for me, I, if you'd have asked me, does God speak to you? I would have said yes, and you would ask me what's the primary way. I would have said conscience. Okay. And the reason I would have said that is because I read my Bible in the morning um, and in the evening, but um, it's through the day that God speaks to me through my conscience. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so that's probably the direction that I would have gone with that. But as you say, the two go hand in hand. Yeah. Uh, your conscience speaks to you and says that's wrong. The Bible then tells you why it's wrong, mm-hmm. uh, which is which is very important. But uh, let's go to Hebrews chapter 1. Hebrews chapter 1, and we will read right here because God does speak in a number of different ways. Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 1, the Bible says, God, who at different times and in different ways spoke in times past unto the fathers by the prophets. Mm. So does God speak to you by the prophets? Yes. Because the words of the prophets have been written down, right? Exactly. And of course, um, if you are in the presence of somebody who has the gift of prophecy right now, then God can speak directly to you in that manner. Mm -hmm. Uh, You will find the biblical pattern is that there are typically not millions and millions of prophets. You'll have one or two. Uh, but usually just one who has a lifetime calling uh, to the gift of prophecy and who ministers to God's people for a set period of time. And that's the, the the biblical model that you'll have in the Bible. So God will often speak through his prophets the gift of prophecy. And I guess that's what the gift of prophecy is. It's, it's really being a messenger for God. Um, what about Peter? Peter talks about 
Peter talks about I think it's in First Peter. Let me go to First Peter real quick. See if I can find this passage over here. If you have a question, by the way, you can give us a call, one eight hundred Faith FM. We love answering questions and we have a special segment every day for question of the day. Let me see if I can squeeze this one in. We have also a more sure word of prophecy, uh, knowing that this that no Prophecy of Scripture is of any inter- private interpretation, for prophecy did not come in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. So God speaks to us in many, many different ways. We just need to practice listening to the voice of God. Mm, amen. Listening and obeying. Take me Take me somewhere I
This is one of the biggest things that I worry about the most, Mon, mm. is how that God, God's character is so maligned in our world. Yeah. Any teaching that any church presents or any religious group presents that has an implication that shows that God is not love is a false teaching. That's, you know, when you're looking at teachings to find out, okay, is this a true teaching or is this a false teaching? Look at the implications of that teaching in relationship to the character of God. Find out what it says, and that will give you a good understanding of whether it's true or false. And then, you know, if it teaches that God is not love, you're going to find lots of things against it. Sadly, the devil has had a lot of success in convincing people that God is in love, but he certainly is. And we hope that you have gotten that message loud and clear from our show today, that God is love. And we'll be back tomorrow morning after the 7 o'clock news. You have a grateful and blessed day. This has been Lyle and Mon on Faith FM's Breakfast Show. I could just sit, I could just sit and wait for all your goodness, hope to feel your presence, and I could just stay, I could just stay right where I am and hope to feel you, hope to feel something
Welcome back, everybody. You listen to Faith FM 87.6, 87.8, or 88 right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network. And as we come to the end of this best ofs show, uh, Lawson, are we here or are we not here? I don't know where we are. You, yeah, this is this is not uncommon for you, Lawson. I'm just I'm just so distressed, <laughs> just freaking out. Because <laughs> our show's just in limbo. Is in limbo. Like, okay, so what we're is in limbo. Going on, and so we need your help. Okay, we do indeed. Uh, so here's the scoop. Uh, the breakfast show is going to the new governing board, where it's going to be discussed on the 29th of October. And with a new chairman, new board, um, who knows what will happen. But what we would like you to do is, hey, give us your support. Uh, shoot us a message. What are those numbers there again, Lawson? 1-800-324-843 if you want to call us and tell us how much you love us. And 0491-064-669 if you want to text us and tell us how much you love us. Or you could just uh, call in and text how much you just, just love Lawson. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you know just, I wouldn't, just, just, I wouldn't just, mind. That would make me feel better. Poor old... Poor old <laughs> you're feeling a bit bad here today, Lawson. Put a bit down. <laughs> yeah. Need help. Uh, we love you guys. We enjoy our time with you every morning. And may your time here on Faith FM be blessed as you go throughout the day. And don't forget, whatever happens after the 29th, there is going to be awesome breakfast programming, mm. whatever it is. So, so stay tuned to Positively Different Radio in the morning, Faith FM. Jesus climbed the hill of Calvary and they nailed him on a cross. Though he had no sin, my friend like me, Submitted like a gentleman And let them nail him there and prayed Forgive them, for they know not what they do Oh, there never was a pulpit Like the old rugged cross And there never was such a meeting place as Calvary There never was a greater lesson preached on love by mortal man. And there never was a pulpit like the cross. What a crowd was gathered on the hill of Calvary that day, not long As his own mother watched and wept beside A friend whom Jesus loved, Christ said Dear mother, when I'm gone, he'll be your son Oh, there never was a pulpit Like the old rugged cross And there never was such a meeting place as Calvary There never was a greater lesson preached on love by mortal man. And there never was a pulpit like the cross. A guilty man was hanging on another cross that day. Convicted of some 
Don't love by mortal man. 